0: Chapter 5. Maximizing Your Rate of Accumulation Establishing a spending plan, also known as a budget, in order to understand and manage current cash flow is essential. Keep in mind that any successful business establishes and manages finances to a budget of some form. If you really want to achieve financial freedom and success, utilizing the same thought process as successful businesses is a good starting point. It's critical to know and recognize your monthly cost to live, or what we refer to sometimes as your burn rate. Most people don't want to live by a budget, so if it makes it more palatable, perhaps calling it a spending plan might help. Essentials to maximizing savings Put savings on a spending plan first. Utilize a process to track income and savings. Identify and manage fixed expenses. Eliminate and avoid consumer debt, aka credit cards, Track and monitor variable expenses. Avoid emotional spending by establishing a think-about-it time frame for large purchases. Set a limit to determine a large purchase, e.g. $250, 24 hours to think. This slows down emotional spending. Have a process for saving before spending. This is how we do it. We will refer to this as our responsible wealth accumulation process. Establish an account for all income payments to be received. This will help segregate funds for saving and make spending more intentional. We will call this your wealth coordination account because funds will be coordinated and allocated to either accumulation, savings, or expenses. Every paycheck, commission, bonus, gift, etc. gets deposited into your coordination account. Your income can only really go to two places. Number one, wealth enjoyment. Money you spend today to enjoy today. Number two, wealth accumulation. Money you're saving to spend and enjoy in the future. Yes, it is that simple. Next, you'll establish an account for today's expenses and enjoyment. Your wealth enjoyment account. This is the account that you live from. Either once or twice per month, depending upon how you pay bills, a systematic transfer is made to your living expense checking account. This is your today money. This is where all living expenses are paid from, and the amount should be predetermined based on your spending plan. Your monthly cost of living, or as we mentioned previously, what is referred to as your burn rate, comes out of this account. The real problem with most saving plans If you're like most people, you've tried to save money in the past by cutting back on your expenses, eliminating that giant latte in the morning, or shopping discounts. The problem with all of the traditional approaches is that, for most people, they don't work most people just aren't disciplined enough to stick with a cutback savings plan for the long term. How do I know this? Simple. The national personal savings rate in the United States in 2019 was just 7.6%. See footnote 11. Down from 11% in 1960. As a society, we're just not savers. We need a different, easier approach. Save more without living less. The reason we don't save is simple. We live a consumer lifestyle, and we like it. We don't want to change it, most of the time. So, we need to think differently about saving. What if there was a way to save a significant amount of money, easily, without feeling it in your lifestyle? Before I show you how we do it, let me ask you a question. Think back to the last raise you got at work. How much was it? For simple math, let's imagine you're making $100,000 per year. Your boss gives you a 4% raise. You're happy. You're getting $4,000 more this year. After taxes, you're probably left with something closer to $2,600. Still good. Now, divide that $2,600 by 26 That's how many paychecks it will be spread over. You're bringing home about $100 more dollars every two weeks. Now think back to your last raise. Was it lifestyle-changing money every two weeks? Probably not. In fact, it probably just got absorbed somewhere, who knows where, in your living expenses. It disappeared as if it was never really there. Not making a dent in your lifestyle, just getting spent. What if we took just a portion of that $100 and saved it? Let's say you saved $40 of the $100 from each paycheck and you spent the other $60 every two weeks on yourself. Do you think that small amount of savings could have an impact? Does it seem insignificant? If you saved that extra $40 from your raise, remember, we're not cutting anything out of your lifestyle and then did the same thing with every raise you get from now until you retire. Here's what happens. Sidebar. In the print version of the book, there's a table showing what happens when a person earning $100,000 per year receives a 4% raise every year and increases their spending by 3% every year, saving 1% each year. The first year, not much happens. This person starts the year earning $100,000 he or she receives a $4,000 raise, 4%, then spends $3,000 of the raise during the year, leaving $1,000 in savings. And we're going to assume the person invests their savings and earns a 4% annual return. 4% of the $1,000 invested is $40, so after one year, this person has a grand total of $1,040 added to savings. You're not going to retire on $1,040, but when the next year the same thing happens, A 4% raise, a 3% increase in spending, and the leftover 1% is saved and invested, earning 4%. If we repeat this same process, making more money, spending a little more, and always adding a little to savings when we earn extra money, and allow the process to compound over 30 years, our friend, who had just $1,040 saved after the first year, has accumulated $1.24 million, all without making any big drastic sacrifices to his or her lifestyle. This is, of course, a hypothetical example for illustrative and educational purposes only. If we can be more intentional about future pay increases, we can have more control over our rate of accumulation, making an incredibly big impact down the road. The wealth accumulation process should look like this. As the coordination account accumulates, funds in excess of expenses can be redirected to asset building areas. We will call this tomorrow money. Accumulation vehicles should be identified as short-term, mid-term, and long-term funds. This is determined based upon your personal financial circumstances and objectives. Managing and reviewing these accounts should be done periodically and systematically with a holistic coach advisor to determine allocations and adjustments. What about managing debt? Financial professionals often say that all debt is bad. The reality is that debt to grow and build assets may be good. However, Debt for consumption is bad. Consumption, or consumer debt, is what occurs when we are spending what we don't have. Consumer debt is often not collateralized or has limited collateral. Because of the lack of collateral, it is usually offered at very high interest rates. When we have debt and interest payments that we pay to others, every cost of interest is a lost dollar and has a lost opportunity cost associated with it. We refer to these lost opportunity costs as LOCs. These LOCs can be significant over time. For example, if you always have credit card balances and you average just $200 per month, $2, dollars annually in interest charges. This amounts to over $443,000 over 30 years, assuming 10% interest that you paid and didn't receive. As you can see, it costs a fortune and should be avoided or eliminated as quickly as possible. Therefore, the rules around debt management should be as follows. Credit cards. Credit cards should be avoided as much as possible because of the high interest rates and the ease of use. Believe it or not, we actually spend cash slower because we see it in our hands and it has a psychological impact as it leaves our wallet. Additionally, if we work with cash, we can't spend what we don't have on us. Therefore, it is wise to use cash before credit to develop the right mindset around spending. Be conscious of your spending. You can always start utilizing credit again when you maintain your awareness. Getting out of credit card debt starts with a decision and commitment. Here are the key decisions. How much are you currently allocating towards all of your credit card debt? How much additional can you allocate monthly towards paying off this debt? Now that you have a total amount to allocate towards the debt, you need to identify the highest interest rate card or cards. Once the balance of one debt has been paid or refinanced elsewhere, The amount you were paying and allocating towards that debt should be structured as follows. The lowest rate debt gets the minimum payment each month, and all the remaining funds should be allocated towards the highest rate debt. Once the highest rate debt is paid, you go to the next highest rate card. All of the funds that were allocated to the last high rate card gets added to the minimum payment for the next high interest rate card. As you keep doing this, the payment to the card being paid off gets larger and larger until they are all paid off. Additional considerations for paying off debt, a.k.a. how to help yourself attain freedom and independence. Low interest rate savings can be allocated to pay off credit card debt. A loan on your retirement account may be a viable option. Home equity loans are also effective ways to pay off credit card debt. Interfamily financing is also a viable option when another member in the family, perhaps a parent or sibling, has low yielding savings. Effectively, they provide a loan to be paid at a reasonable interest rate for a stated period of time. This should be treated as a business transaction with proper documentation and possibly even writing all the checks out in advance for the term of the loan. Consolidation to a lower rate card may be a viable option if it is available. Finally, when their credit cards have been paid off, cancel the accounts with the provider. Only retain one to two cards maximum or for use during a month only if being paid off at the month's end. Doing this helps you avoid paying high interest payments to credit cards and incurring LOCs. Asset building debt. Debt for the purchase of appreciating assets versus depreciating assets is generally not bad, unless the terms are unfavorable. For example, if I borrow funds for my business, investment real estate, or any investment where the return on investment is higher than my cost of funds, this is generally good. However, if I cannot support the cash flow requirements for the debt, This would be a problem and should be avoided. Always remember cash flow is like oxygen. If it is restricted or stops, it can easily devastate your finances, regardless of any expected return. As a rule of thumb, when borrowing, I want the lowest rate and the longest term to protect cash flow. I can always accumulate additional funds if I want to prepay or pay down the debt in another account, so I have liquidity and control. I can use this account later to pay off the debt if I choose to, not because I have to. My observation over the years is that people and financial institutions want to give me money when I don't need it more than when I do need it. Therefore, having liquidity and capital on hand is essential for slower economic cycles and for opportunities. You always want to have an opportunity fund and access to capital. Remember, the economy will have cycles, and if we prepare, we will be ready as opportunities arise. Bringing it home. With regard to personal residences, the same general rule applies. You should seek the lowest rate and longest term. Again, you can establish another account for prepayment purposes if you choose, but you want the control and liquidity. Cash flow is key. Keep in mind that if the home you're looking to purchase and finance prevents you from saving 15 to 20 percent of your income or more, you are overcommitting and overbuying never purchase a home or vacation home on anticipated appreciation. You really have no control over appreciation and all markets have cycles. Therefore, if the cash flow does not work, you should rethink your position and purchase. Consumer purchases and debt. As we discussed previously, consumer debt is generally bad and should be avoided. I recognize the need for cars and other essentials that may require us to finance a purchase, but look at the cost of funds and tax deductibility, if any. For entrepreneurs, certain purchases and leases may be deductible, thus reducing the cost of funds. I strongly recommend smart purchasing. There are certain items, such as cars and boats, that have substantial depreciation early but have a long usage. Sometimes buying used and letting someone else take the upfront loss hit on the depreciation is not a bad thing and can save you a fortune. The key is to do your homework and manage your cash flow effectively so your ability to save is not impeded. Our goal is to stop the loss of our funds in unnecessary ways. If we can be very intentional about each big purchase, each pay increase, and our debt, we can maximize the money available to continue accumulating wealth and ultimately better prepare for financial success. Key actions checklist. Maximize the rate at which you save to ensure long-term accumulation success. Understand the difference between good and bad debt. Eliminate consumer debt to improve savings and avoid lost opportunity cost on high interest cost. Create a process for managing and tracking cash flow, income, and expenses.